and welcome to Sunday Night Local, a half hour gathering around the Word of God. And I pray that you've had uh, a brilliant day today, well, no matter whatever you've been doing. Hopefully you've managed to um, enjoy some of the sunshine that we're enjoying at this moment and uh, the extended summer uh, that we've been blessed with. So hopefully uh, you made the most of a nice weather today and uh, are just having a great day. Hey, while we wait for people to jump online, let me just give a quick plug for our next prayer gathering that's taking place on Monday the 5th of October, and we need you to pre-register for that. Um, so maybe you're watching tonight and you're thinking, oh yeah, I need to do that. So after Sunday Night Local, make sure that you go to family.church and click on the events page, and you can register for our next prayer gathering, which is Monday the 5th of October. Also on the website, there's a frequently asked questions page that the team have now put together for you to look through in terms of COVID and the uh, regathering plans that we have and all that kind of stuff. But we're going to uh, dive into God's word this evening. And so if you've got your Bible, that's always a good um, thing to have when we're studying the word together. And uh, grab a pen and a notepad and hopefully you've got a tea or a coffee or something um, to sip on as you listen to me um, share God's word. And if you're watching this on a phone or on an iPad or a um, laptop, then why not join in with a chat function and just um, engage with one another and just share what God is speaking to you um, through this word that is being shared tonight. So last week, if you were with us, you'll know that we started a brand new series. We spent a number of weeks talking about faith and we began a brand new series last Sunday evening talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And I believe that both those things are very timely. We talked about um, faith and the teaching of faith being very timely in a time when we're surrounded by so much fear and doom and gloom. And uh, I believe that this teaching about the fruit of the Spirit is very timely as well as we're living in a very broken and fractured world that the world needs to see the fruit of the Spirit in evidence uh, in and through our lives. And so this is very uh, important teaching that we're looking through. So if you've got your Bible with you, turn it to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to look at this together again this evening and last week we did um, somewhat of an introduction week and we thought we're not just going to launch straight into this teaching and looking at the different aspects of the fruit of the spirit we're going to spend one week um, just introing what the fruit of the spirit is and how it's produced in our lives and if you weren't watching last week or uh, maybe you were but you didn't get fully uh, the notes down let me just give a, a big quick um, takeaway from last week which was simply this uh, that no amount of human effort can produce spiritual fruit. No amount of human effort. And we, we dealt with this, that if you try to be more loving, if you try to be more patient in your own strength, then you are going to be frustrated and you are going to end up uh, feeling somewhat condemned. And so the way uh, that we see God at work in our lives is we yield. Remember, we surrender to the life of the Spirit within us. And then God's nature that is in us begins to love others, begins to be patient with those that are around us. So Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to be reading from verse 13 together. Just give a couple of moments for those who are jumping on um, to uh, turn their Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Reading from verse 13. This is what it says. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Remember, the flesh isn't talking about uh, the bit around your bones. We dealt with this last week. The flesh is revealing and talking about the sinful state into which all human beings are born. So don't indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbour as yourself. 
If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are, you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then this is the bit that we really dealt with last week. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So as I said last week, we did an intro week. If you missed it, you can go to our YouTube page and catch up uh, with that. There's a whole playlist of Sunday Night Locals. But tonight and in the coming weeks, we want to um, spend each week looking at one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, it's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's one fruit with nine characteristics, nine aspects. And so we're going to take uh, one of these aspects each week and, and study it together. And so let's begin right at the beginning. And Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, when we talk about love, this is one that uh, people often say, yeah, I, I get this. Um, um, goodness, I, I don't quite get this. But love, um, I know what love is all about. Because we in this fallen world have decided that we know or we think we know what love really is all about. You think about the songs that are sung um, and the songs that are released so often they talk about love. You think about uh, the books that are written. You think about the films that are made. So often they centre around this thought of love. You think how often the word love is banded around. Even this past weekend there would have been so many circumstances in our world where people would use this word love without really knowing the full connotations of what it means. You would have drunk people last night telling each other they love each other so much. You would have um, you know, uh, people sat on the sofa last night eating a bar of chocolate thinking hmm, I love this chocolate. Maybe you were one of them. And so we can use this word love in so many different settings, so many different meanings, but do we actually really know what love really means? Living in this world, we can come out with a pretty warped view of what love really is. Maybe um, you grew up in an abusive household, and so you um, saw love as something very different to what it really is. Maybe people manipulated you in the past, in the workplace, and you have a misunderstanding of what Love is maybe you're a part of a marriage relationship where somebody tells you constantly they love you, but you see no evidence of it. And the problem is we live in this world where so much of what we speak of as love is actually and can be reduced down to what the Bible would term to be lust. And there's a massive difference between the two. And so we live in this world where love is spoken about so much, love is sung about so much, love is written about so much, we use the word love so often, and yet we don't really understand what love really is. And so like uh, people have sung before, and I'm not going to sing it tonight, but we are left with a statement or this question, I want to know what love is. Now I know you want me to sing that to you tonight, we're not going to go there, 
Um, I know you're begging at the screen right now. You're probably on the chat. Come on, Pastor Steve, sing it up. We're not going to go there tonight. But think about that song, I Want to Know What Love Is. So often, that's the heart cry of humanity. That's the heart cry of this world, that they think they know what love is, but in their brokenness, they actually really understand, I don't have a clue. And so this is where the fruit of the Spirit comes in, because love can mean so much, or love can mean so little. And when we look at love in the Bible, there's four Greek words that carry different connotations of what love really was all about. Maybe you've heard this before, many of you will have, but let's go over it, because it's important for us to recap on this this evening before we look at the depth of the love of God uh, that he has for us and the love that he is. But also maybe you've never heard this before and this will be revelation to you. Uh, but the, the Greek language had four words for love. First of all, there was storge love. And I've probably pronounced that completely wrong if you're a Greek philosopher or theologian. I apologise for that. But the storge love, which was uh, the relational love that you would have in a family. Then there was uh, filio love which was uh, the love of friendship, the love that best friends would have for one another. And this was dependent upon each of the two contributing towards this love. It's a kind of love that David and Jonathan had for one another in the Old Testament. Then there's a love of eros, which is where we get the word erotic from, where it's about the love of attraction um, and that person attracting you. But again, that love is fickle because it's constantly dependent upon what attracts you. And then we're left with this fourth type of love that Paul writes about here. And it's the love that you've probably heard of before. It's the agape love. That's the love that Paul writes about as being the fruit of the Spirit. Agape love. What is agape love? The love that's used to describe God throughout the Bible. What is it? Agape love is not love that's fickle. But it's love that gives attention to someone else for no particular reason. Not because they've earned it, not because they've done something good, uh, not because they've attracted you. But agape love just loves because that is what it does. No conditions attached, no strings attached. It just loves because that is what it does. Now we need to understand that this is not only the kind of love that God displays, this is a kind of love that he is. It's his very nature. God is Agape. Remember 1 John 4 verse 8 tells us that God not only loves, but God himself is love. He is agape. Now, why is it so important that we know that tonight? I believe it's very important because we so often have a misunderstanding about God's love towards us and the nature of God's love for us. And there's many misconceptions that we can carry about the love of God. Let me just pick on two misconceptions that we can walk with in life concerning the love of God. The first one is that God's love is based upon what I do. And the second one is God's love is affected by what I don't do. I want to look at a couple of those misconceptions tonight before we look at us displaying the fruit of the Spirit because we need to know the nature of God's love before we can display it in our lives. We live with these two misconceptions so often that God's love is based upon what I do and God's love is affected by what I don't do. Now into that thinking, let's read this passage of scripture from Ephesians chapter 3 verse 18 to 19. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he says this, may you have the power, Ephesians 3 18 to 19, may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience that it literally speaks about may you know, may you experience the love of Christ, 
though it is too great to understand fully. Then, and only then, you will be complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Paul knew that people live with an incorrect understanding of the love of God, mainly because of what they've experienced in this fallen world of fickle love. So let's deal with these two misconceptions that I spoke of a moment ago, because maybe you're watching tonight and you're living with one of these misconceptions and it's affecting your walk with God on a daily basis. Misconception number one, God's love is based upon what I do. So we think that we have to earn God's love, maybe because of a religious upbringing, maybe uh, because of the house that you were raised in, you think that you have to earn love. And so you think God's love for me is based upon what I do. Now here's the problem. That's all well and good when you feel like you're doing well, when you're walking with God and you're full steam ahead in your walk with God. But what about when you mess up? What about when you fall prey to the sin that so easily entangles you? What about when you don't speak up for God because you were fearful? What about uh, when you um, speak in a way that you didn't want to speak, when you're impatient, when you're brash, whatever it might be? What about when you do something that doesn't line up with the word of God? If you think that God's love is based upon what you do, then here's what will happen. Guilt and condemnation will flood your life and you will distance yourself from the love of God until you feel that you've earned it again. You feel that it's about what you do, and so you're, you're scrambling around to try and earn the love of God again. But in the meantime, you will distance yourself from God's love. Now, here's the truth. You're not the first to do that. Because if you go right back to the beginning of time at the fall of mankind, you can read this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. We know that this is what Adam and Eve did. Listen, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This is after the fall of mankind after they ate of the fruit. They heard God walking and Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now think about that for a moment. Why did they hide? Because of guilt? Because of shame? Because of condemnation? Because of inadequacy? Because of feelings of hopelessness and despair? And we can do the exact same thing. We distance ourselves from the love of God because of something that we have done, because we think that God's love is affected by what I do and I have to re-earn and regain God's love. Now into that thought and this misconception comes 1 John 1 verse 9. 1 John 1 verse 9 says this, But if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them, God will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, in one moment, in one single moment, you don't have to do penance, you don't have to hide from God, you don't have to re-earn his love. In one moment of, of confessing ourselves, of asking for forgiveness, our relationship with God is brought back to exactly where it was. There is uninterrupted fellowship with him once Again, because God's love is not based upon what I do, it's not based upon what you do. Here's the second misconception that we walk with, that God's love is affected by what I don't do. That's why it gets a vicious circle. And when we fall into this trap of thinking that God's love is affected by what we don't do, that we'll always feel like we have to do more. So if we don't read the Bible as much as we did last week, we think God's love is affected by that. If we don't pray the, to the same intensity as we did last month, we'll think that God's love has been affected by that. And so we'll always be scrambling to do more because we'll think that God's love is affected by what we don't do. 
One of Satan's biggest lies concerning your identity is to cause you to doubt the love of God towards your life by making you think that God's love is conditional, by making you think that you have to earn the love of God. And that's why Paul writes in the verses that we've just read, I so hope that you would understand how wide, how tall, how massive the love of God is towards your life, because only then will you be complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Paul basically says, I wish you'd understand. And I think God speaks this over our lives sometimes. I wish you'd understand that God's love is perfect, that God's love is consistent, that God's love is unlimited. He loves you on your best days. He loves you on what you would term your worst days. Nothing you could do can make God love you more. Nothing you could not do or mess up can make him love you less. God will never love you more because you've done more to earn his love. No amount of mistakes would ever make him love you less. There's nothing that we can do to affect God's love because God's love is not based upon us and our behaviour, what we do and what we don't do. God's love is affected by who he is. But remember, he doesn't just love, he is love. He is agape. In other words, it's got nothing to do with us. It's got everything to do with his character and his nature. Remember the verses that we spoke about a moment ago, I referenced them, 1 John 4, verse 7 to 8. Let's read this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is agape. God has and is unconditional love, who loves you not based on what you do, but loves you because that's just who he is. And it's that kind of love, that agape love that Paul talks about as being part of a fruit of the Spirit, that God's Spirit can, can produce in and through your life. And he talks about that in Galatians chapter 5. Now, this is where last week's teaching is so important, because you can't make yourself love people more. You can't um, you know, fabricate God's kind of love. It only happens when we yield to the life of the Holy Spirit within us. It's got to be God's work in and for us. So within the context of all of that, let's look at the famous love chapter for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, just turn your Bible there. I know a lot of scripture tonight, but that's kind of good, seeing as we're meant to be gathering around the word of God. And I hope that this is encouraging you tonight. Maybe you're in a place where you're doubting the love of God. Maybe you're in a place where you think you've messed up. God's love is unconditional towards you and he not only wants to bless you with that love but he wants you to have the opportunity to extend that love to others as well so 1 Corinthians 13 to give you a moment to turn there 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 to 7 if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Okay, let's just 
look at those verses together for a moment. These verses that so often have been reduced to um, a nice little wedding for a poem at a wedding when actually it's a description of the lifestyle that a follower of Jesus Christ should display. And so Paul starts and he says, if I could speak like this, if I could do this, if I could do that, and he references language. Now, the reason that he references language is because the gift of speaking in tongues was one of the high, most highly prized um, gifts that the Corinthian church had. It's, it's what they saw as the epitome of, of, of spirituality. And that's why Paul goes on in the next chapter, chapter 14, to really dig into this thought of the gift of tongues. But that's another subject for another day. Uh, but Paul makes the point, if I could have all these spiritual gifts, if I could have incredible faith, the kind of faith that we taught about on Sunday Night Local, if I could um, do incredible sacrifices, he, he says, I could do all of that, but if it's not motivated by agape, selfless love, then it means absolutely nothing. And then we get to verses four to seven. And these are uh, the verses that so often we place the focus on when we look at these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this is a description of the Christian love that really emphasizes a willingness to, to give up our own desires and our own rights for the benefit and the good of others. But remember, this is also the character of God, because God is agape. God is love. And the, the word that is used in 1 Corinthians 13 is indeed agape. So this is important as well, because sometimes you'll hear people speak about your God. Sometimes you'll hear teaching um, and preaching and you'll think, well, that doesn't quite sit right. There's something that doesn't sit right. This is a great point to go back to 1 Corinthians 13 and judge the teaching by what the Bible says is the very nature of God. Because we remind ourselves, actually, God is patient. God is kind. God is not easily angered and all those kinds of things. But let's just look at these uh, things again. And I want to pull out a couple of thoughts. And as we do, here's what I want you to do. I want you to cast your mind back to the last week or the last month and see where we're at with this. Not out of guilt, but out of a challenge. Am I actually, um, you know, where is my love coming from? Is my flesh determining the love that I display to others? Or is God's spirit determining the love that I display to others? Now listen to this. Love is patient and kind. If you're a parent watching tonight, God's love that he wants to show through you is patient and kind. Now, I say as your pastor, I don't always get this right, um, especially in the morning when the school run is now back on the table and we're rushing to get out the door. I'm not always patient when I'm trying to love in my own strength. I have to yield to the life of God within me. Love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. Think about the workplace, how you maybe have been in the workplace. Have you demanded your own way? Have you been jealous of other colleagues in your workplace? It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. That's an important one for marriage, isn't it? Of a, of a desire to forgive. Doesn't re not rejoice in injustice, rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Are you in a place where you are not going to give up on others, where you are not losing hope in other people? Is that how we are living? Because the truth is, we'll only live this kind of life and we'll only love in this way when we put God in the driving seat of our emotions and our will and the outlook of our life. Because God's love is all about output, not about what we get back. It's the parent who keeps loving when they're not getting anything back from their teenager. It's the spouse that keeps loving when the husband gives no reason to naturally love. 
It's the, the, the you know, colleague who still loves his boss, even when there's been disagreement between the two. We need to love as God loves, not as the world standards. Because the minute that we stop loving people, we stop being Christ-like. So let me ask you, how are we choosing to love people? God's spirit will cause you to love people in ways that go beyond the boundaries and the limitations of human love. You may say, well, this sounds so easy, but I just can't love this person. I I can't love this person, whoever that person may be. I can't love this group of people, whoever that group of people may be. Maybe you can't, but the spirit in you can. And if you try in your own strength, you will just end up frustrated. Listen to the way that God's love is described in Psalm 103 verse 11. It says, for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. It's unfailing love. It's massive love. It's unlimited love. It's that kind of love. It's God's love that changes a person. It's not church that changes a person. It's not religious teaching. It's not rules and regulations. It's God's love. And I know it's God's love that changed me. I'm sure you watching tonight. It's God's love that changed you. Listen, the only uh, demonstration of the love of God that some people around your life will witness is what you choose to display to them in the workplace, in your street, in your family. As you choose to be a representative of the love of God, then suddenly they will have an opportunity. Remember, it's God's kindness, God's goodness that leads a person to repentance. As they see the love of God displayed in and through your life, it will draw them to this God that you serve. It's easy to talk about it, another thing to do it. If we're trying to do it in our own strength, we will never display this kind of love. Listen to these verses, 1 John 3, 16 to 18. Again, when we love with human love, there'll be limitations, but when we love with the love of God, suddenly the boundaries are gone. 1 John 3, 16 to 18. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well, and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. Now there's a challenge there, a practical challenge, to live this out, to not choose to to fall back on our human understanding of love with all its limitations, with all its I won't go any further than this, with all this it's going to cost me money, whatever it might be, to display God's agape love when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, even when it feels uncomfortable to the flesh, even when it feels like it's going further than the flesh would want us to. That's where we say, no, shut up flesh. Stop trying to determine the levels of my love. And I'm going to yield to the life of God, the nature of God within me, so I can love supernaturally those around me. The love of God can display through your life in such a powerful way that it means that you begin to love people that... In your own natural way, through the flesh, you would never be able to love. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. He says, you have heard of the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This is what human love does. He says, but I say, love your enemies. Now that word that he uses for love, again, just to clarify, is agape love. He says, I say, agape your enemies, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alive. If you love 
only those who love you. What reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. When we allow the nature of God to flow through our lives and we die to self, all the stuff that we talked about last week, we can find ourselves loving people that before it was impossible to love. When we surrender our rights and our privileges and when we stop um, saying, you know, he did this to me or she did that to me or they said this about me and we surrender all our rights and we love with agape love, it means that we begin to forgive people that before it was impossible to forgive. Now let me just add this caveat that when we love with God's agape love, it means we can forgive like we've never forgiven before. It means that we can love like we've never loved before. But it doesn't mean that we subject ourselves to abuse. Let me just be clear on that. Because God's agape love means that suddenly we can forgive, we can um, love like never before, but wisdom also shows us how close we should continue to walk in fellowship with somebody. Just felt to clarify that. But when we love with the love of God, suddenly we can forgive those that we were holding in a grip of unforgiveness. Suddenly we can love those in the workplace that we found it difficult to love. Suddenly there's an outpouring of love that comes from our life to people around us that we used to look down upon. 1 Peter 4 verse 8. Most importantly of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love, and again, it uses that word agape in this translation, for love covers a multitude of sins. Godly love, agape love, the love that is part of the fruit of the Spirit. This love is given and never taken back. See, there's limitations, as I've said throughout tonight, there's limitations on the human form of love, but there's no limitations on the love of God. I want to encourage you this week, begin to love somebody with God's kind of love. Now, you won't do that by getting up tomorrow morning and thinking, I'm going to love that person more. I'm going to love my spouse more. I'm going to love my colleague more. I'm going to love that person more. For your own human effort, it's not going to happen. You may be able to sustain it till, I don't know, half ten, and then something will happen, and you, if suddenly you, you'll feel yourself, you know, temper rising up, whatever it might be. But when you say, do you know what, Holy Spirit, first thing tomorrow morning, you say, do you know what, I want to love my colleagues. I want to love my neighbours. I want to love my family. I want to love those people around me, with your love, with agape love. I'm going to surrender my rights. I'm going to surrender what I think. I'm going to be patient and kind and loving. I'm going to extend that to all those around me. That's when we'll see God's love in action. God's love loves because that's what it does. It wills and it chooses to direct love. It's loving people, not because they deserve it, not because they've done something that's good, not because you think you'll get some kind of response, but loving them because you know God loves them and loving them with his love. And I believe that as we do that, as we yield to a spirit within us and we display God's love, do you know what? Marriages will be better for it. Our homes will be better for it. Our relationship, if you're a parent, your relationship with your kids will be better for it. Our church will be better for it. John 13 verse 35 says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Let me just pray for you as we end this broadcast tonight. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your love towards us. 
God, I thank you that it's your love that changes us from the inside out. God, I thank you that we cannot earn your love. Nothing we can do tonight could make you love us more and nothing we could do could make you love us less. And I just pray for anybody watching here who's in a place where they've doubted your love towards them, that they would just feel right now as I pray this prayer, wherever they're watching from, they would feel right now your abiding presence and your powerful love in their life. This love that removes all fear, this love that gives them perfect peace that surpasses all understanding. And Father, I pray that as we receive that love and we're recipients of that love, we would also be people who give that love to others and extend it and show it to people around us. I pray for people to stop trying to love in their own strength. And I pray that they would just surrender and understand that it's no longer us who lives, but Christ, you who now lives within us. And as we love with your perfect love, I thank you that relationships will be transformed as a result. Amen. I pray that that's been an encouragement to you tonight. Let's love with God's kind of love. Next week, we're going to be back and looking at another aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. And I pray that this has been helpful to you tonight. Have a great week.